0: Well, it's great to have each and every one of you here today. We're going to have a a conversation this morning for a few moments about water baptism, why we do this, what's the significance of it. Now, of course, this morning we begin Holy Week. The first day of that week is when Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem presenting himself as the Messiah, the King, as the Savior of the world. Uh, And then He moved from that first day of the week, which we call Palm Sunday, to Good Friday and Easter. And of course, we're going to be celebrating Good Friday and Easter this week. Uh, And so let this whole week be a time when you are revisiting the scriptures that that tell us about the death of Christ and keeping your focus upon him. And I think it's it's going to bring the reality of what Christ has done for us. It's going to refresh our hearts and our minds with that. You know, a few months ago in Oregon there was a shooting. And if you'll remember that as that shooter went around to the various people, uh, he, it looked like he was targeting Christians because he would ask them the, the question, are you a Christian? And if they raised their hands and identified themselves as a Christian, he shot them. And I think that puts into real perspective what the price tag can be, what it, what it really means, and, and the kind of commitment that being a Christian calls for. Now, Jesus Christ made a request. In fact, it's more than a request. It's a, it's a command of every person who gave their life to him, who decided to become his follower. He commanded them to give public testimony of that by being baptized in water. Now, in just a few moments, we have several from our church that are going to stand up and publicly declare, announce to the world that they have decided to commit their lives to Jesus Christ, to follow him. In other words, Jesus gave us water baptism as a way to stand up and shout to the world that Jesus Christ is my Savior. Jesus Christ is the center of my life. And I'm going to live the rest of my days for him. So we want to talk a little bit before we get to that about what exactly does it mean to be a Christian, to be a Christ follower. And I want to clear up three misconceptions that are very common about what it means to be a a Christian. And the first one, and I think this is by far the most common, the most common idea is, That I can earn my salvation by my good efforts, by my good works. In other words, the idea is sort of like this, and this is a crude illustration, but someday I'll stand before God and he'll take a list. The idea is he's gonna take a look at a list of all of the good things I have done. All right? And then he's going to take a look at the list of the bad things I have done. (laughs) (laughs) So you can see how I think about myself, right? Okay. (laughs) I think most of us, if we're honest, we'd like to think that this list is a lot shorter than this one, right? Well, the idea behind this is that we're going to stand before God someday, and he's going to take a look at the long list of all the good things we have done and set it beside this one, And he's going to say, my name's Jim, he's going to say, Jim, good job, come on in, welcome, welcome into eternal life. But we know from the scripture that that's not the case. You know, if if that were the way, if we could earn our own salvation, then everything we celebrate during Holy Week, Easter, uh, Good Friday, Jesus' death on the cross, it would be absolutely unnecessary. If we can get there on our own, we don't need anyone to help us. We don't need Jesus to come into the world. We don't need the Christmas story. Uh, in fact, we really don't even need Christianity itself. Now, you know, all the religions of the world, all the philosophies of the world, and, and, and I would say the common ordinary day philosophy that, most, that a good many people live by is that we can get there by ourselves. Uh, everyone, every, Jesus came and challenged that idea and he went to the cross because he was teaching us by what he did in that cross that we cannot earn our own salvation. So I want it to be clear for everyone in here this morning that don't, do not live under the delusion that because you're a good person and I'm grateful for every good person for sure but do not live with the false idea that because you are good that is the ticket into God's presence it doesn't work that way why is that well it's because no matter how good we are this list is still on the record it's still there now you might say well can't okay god god knows none of us are perfect and that's true And that's our problem. We've all got flaws. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, the Scripture says. Uh, But you know what? We might think sometimes, well, I mean, God is a God of love. Couldn't he just sort of overlook this list? Couldn't he sort of turn his head the other way? Well, think about it. If God did that, what kind of a God would he be? He would be a God whose own character was less than totally holy, totally pure. He would be a God who would be compromising with evil. And I don't think any of us want a God in charge of the universe who will compromise on the issue of evil. God has to, in order for God to be, have a character that is 100% pure, 100% good, God has to deal with every sin that has invaded our universe, that has invaded human life. He has to find a solution for it. And so, that solution was found in Jesus Christ. In the greatest love imaginable, Jesus, the sinless, eternal Son of God, came and died on the cross. And when he died in that cross, he took the blame for the list of your sins and the list of my sins and the list of the sins of all humanity. The scripture says Jesus became sin when he died on that cross. He took our place so that God's judgment upon sin, God's dealing with sin, Jesus took that on our behalf so that a way of complete forgiveness, a way of complete pardon could be provided to every human being. And there's never been a greater act of love that has been given you than what Jesus Christ did in that cross. He did a personal favor for you. You know, the Scriptures teach that our sins separate us from God. And that God made us not to live separated from Him, not to live in a, like we're remote strangers, but God made us so that we could have a very personal, intimate knowledge of him, a relationship with him. Jesus Christ came to restore that broken relationships. That's that's why he died on that cross. And the scripture says this. Peter says it, the apostle Peter, in Acts chapter 4, he said, There is salvation in no one else. God has given us no other name under heaven through which all the world can be saved except Jesus Christ. And remember what Jesus said about himself. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to God except through me. Was Jesus on a big ego trip that day when he made that statement? Did he think way too highly of himself? Well, that would be one opinion you, you might have. But you know what? I think the evidence goes the other direction. That Jesus Christ knew exactly who he was. He was God, your maker and my maker, saw us in a dilemma, and he himself came into humanity and lived among us so that he, as one of us, could take the blame for our sins. He's the Savior. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 say it this way, for it is by grace, God's grace, that you have been saved. Saved from your sins through faith. And it's not from yourselves. You can't do it on your own. It is the gift of God. Not by works, good things that we have done, so that no one can boast. So that's what it means to be a Christian. That you fully admit that you have sinned. That I have sinned. And that we come to God truly sorry for our sins. And then we ask him to forgive us on the basis of what Jesus did on the cross on our behalf. Really what that is, is we come to a place where we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. And after we do that is when the greatest miracle that can ever happen takes place. Uh, And it's the miracle of Christ's presence coming literally into your life, establishing a relationship with you. When Jesus was talking with this woman in John chapter 4, he was, he was getting a drink of water at a well, and a woman from the village came up. They got into a conversation, and about halfway through the conversation, Jesus said, you know, you come to this well every day to draw water, quench your thirst. He said to her, if you would ask me, I would give you some living water. That'll quench your thirst for all of eternity. And what was Jesus, and, then, and then he said, if you believe in me, the Son of God, out of your, out, I'll set in motion inside of you an artesian well. You know what an artesian well is? Uh, we lived in Pennsylvania. I pastored in Pennsylvania my first eight and a half years of ministry. And just down the road from us, this was in a very rural area, just down the road from us there was a, uh, an artesian well that people from all over the place would drive miles It was just a well, uh, fresh water, gurgling up out of the ground. Uh, Someone had stuck a pipe in it to give it a little bit of, you know, fountain effect. Uh, But there'd be people come from all over the place to get to load buckets of water from that thing. Uh, Jesus said, the person who receives him, who places their faith in him, he will set in motion inside of them life like an artesian well. springs up bubbling up. It's the life of God that can come into you. See, we are uh, physically, we're all alive here today. In fact, you may be physically in tip-top shape. You may work out eight days a week. Okay? (laughs) Seven days a week. Uh, But you can be in the best physical shape you could ever possibly be in, but be spiritually dead. Because we're separated from God. The source of spiritual life, eternal life. That's what this is all about. That's what he was saying to that woman. If you want to have life that is deep and full and eternal like God wanted it to be, then I'm your way. Place your faith in me. And he paid the price to get rid of the sin so that we could enter into that by surrendering our lives to him. Now, you might think, well, that's what you're talking about. It's way too good to be, it's, it's just too good to be true. You know, the only reason you might think that is if you feel that God would not have enough capacity to love us so much. But the fact is, God is infinite. And his love for every one of you in this room today is infinite. It's beyond what we could ever imagine. And that's why he gave us this gift of salvation in his son. Okay, so that's that's the first misconception that we can get there on our own. The second misconception is this. Some people live with a fear whether they can really know for sure in this life if they are saved. Maybe that's something we can only know when actually we get to heaven someday. Well, you know, God settled that question too in his word. Uh, he said it this way in 1 John 1, 9. He said, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So if you've confessed your sins to Jesus Christ and are trusting him, (laughs) your eternity is secure in him as you continue to trust him. But, you know, you might say, well, yeah, I love Christ, and I want to please Him. That's the deepest desire of my life. But what about, I mean, I'm a Christian. What about the times when I sin? Where does that leave me standing with God? Well, you know what? The fact is, every person that comes to Christ, every person that receives Christ, still carries a lot of old baggage, old junk from, from the life we once lived. There's old patterns inside of us. There's old attitudes. And even against our best intentions, we're going to mess up sometimes. You know, my first few years after coming to know Christ, and even in my early years of studying for the ministry, uh, I had no desire deeper than to please Christ. But you know what? I would come to the end of many of my days feeling like, man, I am a lousy Christian. I blew it today. I I shouldn't have said that. I should have said that. I shouldn't have done that. And I should have done that. And I would come to the end of every day just feeling totally miserable uh, until I came to realize that, you know what? My salvation is a gift. I received grace from Christ. And I need to learn to live in that grace, not only in becoming a follower of Christ, But then, in living from here till the day I see him, living with his grace in view. And you know what? It it came to my attention, finally it sunk in, that why was I so upset that I had messed up? I didn't used to be upset at all. I mean, upsetting Jesus didn't bother me a bit. Upsetting God, that that was the least of my concerns, really up until I received him in my life. So what that was for me, it became evidence of the fact that something had really changed in me because now it really bothered me when I did something that displeased the Lord or said something. And right away, the Holy Spirit would bring that to my attention. Why? So he could beat me over the head and condemn me and, you know, no, for the opposite reason. So that he could lead me right back to Jesus and his grace. And you know what? Every single day when we blow it, the Holy Spirit does that for you too. That's what it means to live and walk in the grace of Christ. And you can be sure that that is going to carry you through all the day, way till the day you stand in his presence. So don't doubt. If you receive Christ and are trusting him, do not think that you know, it's, it's not a certain thing for you. you know, it's your hope that you're going to stand with him in his presence someday. This is what 1 John chapter 2 says, "My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, and we will, we have a an advocate. That's the word for lawyer. We have a lawyer with the heavenly Father." Who is that lawyer? He said, well, he goes on, he says it's Jesus Christ the righteous one. Can you imagine? Uh, I don't know, you know, when I think of lawyers having lived here in Chicago for the last, what, 35 years, the first name that comes to my mind, you probably recognize this name too, is Peter Francis Geraci. Okay. <laughs> you ever hear that name? Okay, that's a lawyer when I think of it. And, uh, but this passage is saying that we have a far greater lawyer. Jesus Christ is our lawyer. What do lawyers do? They plead the case of the defendant. Satan comes at us and says, man, you blew it, you sinned. But we have a great lawyer to take on that prosecuting attorney, I guess you would say. And and it's Jesus Christ, the righteous one, because he is the atoning sacrifice, not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. So, the deal's done. You can trust that you're going to be with him someday by trusting Christ. Christ. Third misconception is this. I meet a lot of people who think this way. Well, I'm not good enough to come to Jesus yet. I am not worthy to come to him. I I have too much to be ashamed of in my life. I have done way too many bad things. Sometimes people have been told most all their life, that they are unworthy, that they are spoiled goods of little value. And sometimes people reason, you know what, I've got to make myself more acceptable before I could ever be accepted by Jesus. I have to be a little bit better than I am now. But you know, that's, putting, that's a cart before the horse problem right there. Listen to what the book of Romans says. The Apostle Paul says this. It says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. So Jesus comes right into the mess of our lives. And the whole reason we come to Jesus is so that because only he can redeem our broken lives. You know, this would be the same logic as saying, you know what, I, I feel really sick today, but I'm going to wait till I get a little bit better before I go see the doctor. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Same with, our, same with coming to Christ. So we come to Jesus just as we are. Just as we are. We come with him with whatever is in our past. We come with him with, with whatever is going on in our present. And he... He rejoices to receive us. He receives us with open arms and love. So don't let shame or anything like that ever keep you from coming to his salvation. He's there for you. And then, it's after people come to Christ, receive him as Savior, that he commands them to be baptized in water. And so now we come down to answering that question, why this whole thing of water baptism? What are we doing this for today? Well, because it is a beautiful, public, symbolic picture of what takes place spiritually inside a person when they place their faith in Christ. It's not this water that brings salvation today. It's not the water. It's what it represents. When you're lowered into the water, as a few people will be here in just a few moments, that is a picture, it's a living illustration of the cleansing away of our sins, our guilt, our past, our shame. Because Jesus took took it all upon himself on the cross. Lowered into the water is a picture of the cleansing of God's forgiveness. Wiping the slate clean. And then when you're raised up out of the water, it's a picture of the brand new life that you now are going to live because Jesus lives inside of you and shares his life with you. And he's going to help you overcome all that old baggage, all those old habits, and all those old wounds. It's a process that he'll begin the moment that he has begun, the moment you received him into your life. And so this morning, all of this sets before every one of us a decision here today. This is, this is a decision day Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you done that? Just take a moment to reflect on that. Maybe you're here and you've had great respect for Jesus over the years, or you've had respect for God. Maybe you've even gone to church a lot. Um, And maybe you've done a a lot more good things than bad things in your life, okay? But, But the question is, Can you think of a time in your life when you actually surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and embraced what he did on the cross and invited him to be your savior and committed your life to him, making him the center of your life? Can you think of a time when you made that kind of a deep, profound decision about who Jesus Christ is for you? If you have not done that, then I would encourage you to take these moments to reflect on that and then make a decision. And I would hope that decision would be to receive him. You know, the word that we use that word surrender to Christ because when we surrender, we're laying, we're laying ourselves down, right? Um, well, you know what? I had a time in my life prior to surrendering myself to Christ when I fought him. Now, doesn't it seem a little bit strange for a puny kid to fight God, (laughs) take on God, but you know what? I was taking on God because I wanted to live my own life, do my own thing. I didn't think I needed him. A lot of us come to Christ fighting him like that. I would encourage you today, this would be the best fight you'd ever lose, okay? If you lost your fight against God, this would be the best fight you'll ever lose because when you lose it, you're going to win, okay? That's your biggest win too is to receive Christ into your life. And if you haven't done that, I encourage you to do that today. How do I do it? Well, you simply pray in your words, something like this, Lord, forgive me, forgive me for my sins. I know I've sinned, but I want, I want your forgiveness in my life. And I believe you died on that cross to forgive me of all my sins and to give me a new life. I want that today. I want that above everything. Lord Jesus Forgive me and come into my life. Take control of my life. You pray a prayer like that from the depths of your heart, it'll be the most decisive and life changing moment in your life because it's going to lead to a brand new direction in your life. God revealing himself to you. If you take that step, I would encourage you to start getting into the scriptures. Uh, I would start in the New Testament, the second part of the Bible. Where, you speak, where it talks directly about Jesus Christ. We have a bunch of Bibles at the Information Center. If you need one today, you're free to take one. Go ahead and ask at the end of the service. And then begin to get into uh, connection with other Christians. Get, become part of a church family where you can grow and get strong in your faith. And if you don't have a church family anywhere and you live in this area, <clears throat> you're certainly welcome to connect right here. Uh, we'd be delighted to have you and help you with that, that decision in your spiritual journey.